Amen. What a blessing to be able to celebrate God's grace. And His grace is evident to us in many different ways. And sometimes I think we take it for granted. We might not even realize that it's being extended to us, but His grace is always available to us. Let me take a moment, and uh, before I get into my message more, I want to celebrate uh, God's blessing uh, this morning. Over the past couple of weeks, we have seen a tremendous group of people take a stand for life. That was the group yesterday that went down to Columbia. We've seen young people recommit their lives to Christ while at the youth convention. And we've had at least one individual who's responded to God's call in their life to pursue ministry. In addition, we've had numerous folks from the church who have already responded to last week's challenge that each person reach out to at least one individual to reach them for Jesus Christ over the next 12 months. And almost four dozen people showed up Wednesday night just to learn how to defend and explain their faith. I'm going to tell you, this is a great time to be a part of the body of Christ. Can you imagine what God wants to do through this church in 2020? I told you last week that I don't know for sure what God will do, but I know that God will be faithful regardless of what he chooses to do. But I also know that God has great plans in store for you as the body of Christ. I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that there is nothing that God cannot do. I was talking with a friend this week, and he was sharing about his loved one who had recently received Christ and was baptized. It was a cousin. He shared that this was something that my friend never thought possible. He said that his cousin appeared to him to be a lost cause, but there is no such thing to God. So before I really get into the message today, let me stretch you just for a moment, still finishing up from last week's message. As I challenge you to reach at least one individual over the next 12 months, let me encourage you to identify at least one person that perhaps you would consider a lost cause. Now begin to pray for that lost cause. Pray for their salvation. Pray that God would begin to speak to their hearts and perhaps even give you the opportunity to share with them. Remember that it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So God absolutely desires to redeem your friend, your loved one. So actually, I want to take a moment right now. I want us to, to pray for those individuals right now. Maybe you've already pictured someone in your mind that you would consider a lost cause. I want us to pray that God would have his way. Father, you reached down into our lives while we were still sinners. The fact that any of us can call ourselves children of God is a miracle of grace. I pray right now that you would bring that miracle of grace into the lives of these people whom we love so much. For that child that is caught up in addiction. For that adult who is bitter toward the church. For the friend who has become content with just being able to call themselves a Christian. I pray that you would intervene today in their hearts right now. I pray that you would convict them of sin. And I pray that you would lead them to the point of full surrender to you. Transform these lost causes into living testimonies of what an almighty God can do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I hope that you 
will continue to pray for that individual and that you will look for that opportunity to share with them. So I do want to give you a heads up before I get into the message here. I may not cover all the blanks in your bulletin today. I'm going to try to do my best. And who's up there, Derek? Uh, if I miss them, I'm sure Derek is going to make sure you get all the points on the screen. So there are blanks you're supposed to fill in. You can pay attention to the screen for that, but pay attention to me for the rest of it. Uh, this is a, a really important message, and uh, I know that I have a lot to share with you, and I'll do my best to get through all of those. But if you're a type A personality, go ahead and just accept my apology right now. You might not get all the blanks filled out this morning. So based on what I shared with you last week, the only way to find fulfilling, fulfillment and peace is for us to know God. You can do all sorts of other things. But only through knowing God will you truly find meaning, purpose, and life. You may be really good at a lot of different things, and there may be a lot of great accomplishments that you have. Accomplishments that you have. You may be very wealthy and successful by the world's standards, but we must know God. Everything else is secondary. Now, when we truly get to know God, the natural byproduct is that we ought to also find freedom, which is the title for today's message. There are many things that we need to be set free from. All of us need to be set free from sin and the wage of sin, which is death. Some of us need to be set free from painful pasts. Others need to be set free from ugly misconceptions about who we are. Others need to be set free from fear. Remember that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. That means that through Jesus Christ, all of us can and should find freedom. Well, I need you to turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I had Richard read three verses from it today, but I'm going to give you a heads up. We're going to read a lot more than three verses today. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to begin in verse 12, but we'll read through verse 31. I'll break it down as we read. As you turn, let me give you a little bit of background information. Let's start with the author of this particular passage. We all should be somewhat familiar with him. In fact, he's the individual that we spoke about last weekend as I preached on Saul. His name is Paul, formerly known as Saul. He was likely a lost cause at one point. I imagine that the rest of the body of Christ, even Ananias, whom we talked about last week, when he is told to go and lay hands on him so that he could restore his sight, Ananias says, Lord, I know who he is. I know what he has come here to do. He looked at Saul, but he didn't look at Saul as one who could be redeemed. This is a man who stands in the way of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In many ways, he was a lost cause. But God redeemed him, sending him out as a testimony to what God could do in others. Remember that Saul, later to be Paul, is very intelligent, very, very well-educated, taught by the greatest of teachers, with incredible expectations and probably even significant prosperity in his life. He was well-respected, seemingly, by everyone. He was a Pharisee from the same group of people who regularly opposed the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. 
but he was one of, but one of the greatest fallacies of the Pharisees is that they believed God only loved Jewish people. Now remember, he was raised as a Pharisee. So while this is a fallacy of the Pharisees, a false teaching of the Pharisees, this is something that Saul, later to be Paul, would have embraced wholeheartedly. That means that only those of a pure bloodline could be considered God's people. In a simpler form, that also means that Saul was raised as a Pharisee and as a racist. It is the idea that we are better than everybody else based on our ethnicity and background. Now, I know some of you right now are thinking, but they were God's chosen people. And we do see that talked about in the Old Testament. I don't want to get into whether or not they were the only people or not today. Just know this, God's blessing did rest upon them, but God also desired to reach the Gentiles as much as he did the Jews. And we can see that if we look deep enough in the Old Testament. Now listen to what Saul, also Paul, this former lost cause and racist has to say. Just as a body, the one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. We're all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Wait, wait a second. I thought this guy was a racist. Jews only, Gentiles don't count. It appears that something significant has changed in Saul. He's gone from privileged and racist to recognizing that he is no different from anybody else who has received God's spirit. For years, he's seen himself as being better than Gentiles, better than slaves. Yet as he writes this, he groups himself with these quote-unquote lesser groups this is contrary to everything that he has been taught. Pharisees saw Gentiles as unclean, supposing that their very presence was like having an infectious disease walk into the room. They couldn't even share a meal together to touch a cup that a Gentile, an unclean individual had touched that made you unclean, infected. Yet as he writes this, he says that we are all one. We have one spirit, one baptism, and we all make up one body. His heart and his mind have changed. Let's go back to the lost cause idea here for a moment. This was a man that more than likely was so set in his ways that if someone would have sat down and argued with him about whether the Gentiles could be redeemed, he was so confident there is no way he would have yielded. Yet God has completely transformed his heart and his mind. Before I go any deeper, let me just address this. I don't care what you've been taught. I don't care what your background looks like. When it comes down to it, God is able to transform and redeem 
any individual. It doesn't matter how hard your life has been. God simply uses those things. But God has put you in this place, not so you could remain the same, but so that you could be transformed. You may have even thought of yourself as a lost cause. But God can change who you are. He's been doing it for some time. Let me just say that based on this transforming work in his heart and mind, he is in a perfect place to lead others. In other words, as God transforms our lives, setting us free from the past, we suddenly find ourselves with something worth sharing. I know we thought we had something worth sharing before. We were good people. We were intelligent people. We were wealthy people. But now we have something genuinely worth sharing. We are called to lead. But what will you lead others to? As a dad, as a husband, and even as a pastor, I do not want to lead you or anyone else to be like what I once was. I want to lead people to a transformed life. How will you lead other people? I will confess that leading others can be difficult for multiple reasons. I think of God's word to Joshua. He says, be strong and courageous, for you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers. He needed strength and courage because first Joshua knew what these people were like. Be strong and courageous, for you will lead these people. These are the same people who loved Moses. Well, and then they hated Moses. Then they were grateful that he had delivered them from Egypt. Then they wanted to go back to Egypt. Joshua, if you're going to lead these people, you're going to need to be really strong and really courageous. It's not going to be a cakewalk. It's not going to be one of those things you just hit the cruise control button and go on. You would need to be strong and courageous if you led those people. But he also needed to be strong and courageous because the task itself was great. The land which he would lead them to conquer had giants living there. Remember, he had been one of the 12 spies who originally went down and he saw them. He said we were like grasshoppers to them. But let me tell you an even greater struggle that Joshua would need to be aware of. And clearly, as we read through the book of Joshua, there were times that he did not do as well on this. As Joshua led... And as they found victory after victory, Joshua needed to be honest with himself. Pride was lurking. Joshua on multiple occasions would make decisions without consulting the Lord. I guess he thought he had everything figured out. He was in good shape now. You know, we just beat the people in Jericho. Let's go against AI. We don't even have to worry about asking the Lord. We just need two or 3,000 people. They go down and they get their butts kicked. The problem is not just that they had allowed sin to exist among the people of Israel, but they had allowed pride to work in even among those who would lead. What Joshua would always need and what Saul and Paul would always need and what you and I always need is a realization that without God, we are nothing but lost causes. God is the only one who made that possible. Let's continue the reading. It says, Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, 
where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special attention. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Here's what I get out of this passage this morning. There are many applications that would fit, but what it comes down to is that we need each other. Whether you're rich or poor, black, Hispanic, or white, uneducated, educated, whether you're brand new to the church or you were here when they laid the physical foundation for this building, whether you have a position or a title or perhaps you've never been asked to do anything specific in the church, every individual in this church needs each other. In fact, not only do we need each other, but we are all incredibly valuable. It's so easy to look at those who are in different roles and assume that those people are of greater importance to the ministry of the church. You look to the various gifts that other people have and you think to yourself, well, that's not fair. Life isn't fair. Why are they given so many gifts and abilities? Why didn't God bless me the same way? that he chose to bless that individual, that male or that female. The only thing that I can tell you is that God blessed you with the gifts that are unique to you. And as a result, we, the body of Christ, need you. Let me give you an example of this that I was reminded of just this past week. I'm pretty good at stuff around the church. I do fairly well preaching and teaching, and I can handle people pretty well. I'm not really all that good at stuff around my house. For example, my dishwasher started leaking significantly, so much so that water was dripping down into the kitchen that is down in the basement. Typically, I would call on other individuals to come and help me, but I thought, no, you know what? I can do this. I can fix this on my own. It didn't work out the way I wanted. I looked up under the dishwasher. And I saw that the supply line was running down under the floor. Maybe it was just the supply line that was leaking, and it wasn't really the dishwasher anyways. I went downstairs to check it out. I tried tracing down the supply line under the dishwasher. It went, I started by removing some tiles. Uh, there's some ceiling tiles and then some insulation. I climbed up on a ladder to get it, and as I pulled back a layer of insulation... My heart almost stopped as a large black snake fell on top of me. 
I had somebody tell me, well, what, what, what did its eyes look like? I, said, I don't know. <laughs> I know it was probably harmless, but it fell on top of me, so that was enough reason for me to panic, and I will not confirm or deny whether I screamed like a girl as I came down from that ladder running in the other direction. It was at that point that I realized that I needed help. <laughs> Maybe you're not a snake handler or a plumber, but I assure you that God has gifted you in ways that the rest of the body of Christ needs. We lead because of what God has done for us, but we also need each other. Finally, I have one last point. You're thinking, well, he's going to let us out early. No, it's a long point. Sorry. Finally, realize that we are a part of the body of Christ. In other words, this is not just something that you do. This is who you are. Look at the rest of the passage again. It says, now you are the body of Christ. Not you be the body of Christ. Not you do the body of Christ. You are already. You are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. I was in elementary school when my family started in the church. Since then, much has changed. Certainly, most of the faces have changed as many of the servants in the church have since gone on to be with the Lord. But the ministry goes on because God has not abandoned his church. He is constantly raising up new leaders who will take the church forward for a new generation. And I could probably pick out a few people whose leadership played a significant role in my personal development, but the truth is that many people have played a role in who I am today. Oddly enough, there are some people who I would reflect on as being important to my development, but I couldn't really tell you why they were so important. It wasn't that they were great preachers or teachers or any of those things. In fact, as I think of my pastor growing up, I don't really know what kind of preacher he was because truthfully, I was a kid and I wasn't really paying that much attention at that point. But I look at him and I'm incredibly grateful, not because of the gifts or abilities that he had, but simply because he was present in my life. My question is, will you be present in the generation to follow in their lives? Will you be present to show them what it is to be a child of God. I'm going to go back for a moment. Verse 21, it said, The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the hand cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker or indispensable, the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. 
while our presentable parts need no special attention. It's interesting, there are certain parts of the body of Christ that sometimes we put a significant value on. We've got individuals, and by the way, we ought to be grateful for these individuals who have been in the church for 30, 40, 50 years. And we ought to be very grateful for the role that they have played. They, in many ways, have built a foundation which all of the other ministry that we get to do is really based upon what they've done. Those who participate in the building process, even to have this facility and the facility next door, we should be very grateful for those individuals. Those who prayed, those who were so faithful during those times of need to gather together and to lift up the body of Christ, those who discipled, those who poured into many of your lives, they invested in you so that you would be the child of God that you are today. We should be incredibly grateful for those individuals. There are some churches that have made a determination as to who they're going to be, and what they've done is they've chosen sometimes a generation over another generation. We're going to be an older church. We're going to take care of the ones here. We're going to be a younger church. We're going to just reach new people. And we're not going to worry with those who maybe they've already been in the body of Christ. Let me tell you something. As the body of Christ, every individual is important to Jesus Christ. Every individual, the young, the old, it is not as if we look at one and say, I don't need you. Remember, the head cannot say to the foot, I do not need you. We need all of us. Now, in this passage, it was interesting, it identified that there are some parts that are less presentable. You know, there are some people who sometimes we look at them and their lives are so messed up, and we wonder if they really even fit into the body of Christ. What do you do with those who are less presentable? According to this, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. The parts we think of are less honorable, we treat with special honor. What do we do with those who perhaps they don't have everything put together just yet? We push them off to the side as if they do not matter. Are those the people that we pour into? I mentioned those who discipled years ago. Do you recognize there was a day that you were less honorable, but you are indispensable to the body of Christ? Then, of course, it even touched on the fact that our presentable parts need no special treatment. Sometimes I think we have sort of said church is about us. We want the church to be about taking care of me. But the reality is the church has never been about you and it's never been about me. It has always been about pointing people to Jesus Christ. We just happen to be the instruments that he chooses to use. I entitled this message, Find Freedom. I have found freedom in Jesus Christ. My hope is that you will find freedom in Christ. Some of us, I mentioned, need freedom from addiction, from pain, from fear. Maybe some of us need to find freedom from the selfishness that we have become enslaved to where even church has become about us. I believe today that God wants us to be instrumental in reaching those who are lost. But as he does that, it will begin with us choosing 
to see things differently. Remember, 2020 is all about vision. It's changing our perspective. What if we began to look at church as being an opportunity to see Christ move in our midst instead of just a place where we come and be entertained and we get what we want and we experience what we like? What if it became about truly honoring Christ above everything else? What if it became about telling other people about Jesus as well? I don't know where you are, but I'm going to tell you, God desires to bring freedom to you and to the entire body of Christ. And it is up to us to allow that freedom to be shown in us. You are the body of Christ. Live like you are the body of Christ. I'm going to pray, and then I've got a couple things I want to share with you. Father, we thank you today for the freedom that you have given to each of us. We are imperfect people. We know that. Some of us have... We've been enslaved by some really crazy things, things that never should have been a part of who we are. As young people, we bought into lies about us being less than desirable. But you created us in your image. And I pray today that you would help us to see ourselves the way you see us, as a beautiful gift and an incredible reflection of you. Lord, I pray today that some of us would find freedom from our misconceptions. I pray that others would find freedom from fear. We fear all kinds of things. We fear what tomorrow might hold. We fear that someone might find out about what was in our past. We fear about our jobs, about money, about all kinds of things that we no longer want to be driven by fear. Pray that you'd set us free. Pray that you'd set us free from more than anything sin. Some of us have allowed sin to remain, even though we knew it didn't belong, but we have allowed it to remain, thinking it's not that big of a deal. But it is a big deal because sin is what caused your son to die on a cross. Lord, I pray that you will set us free that you would give us the opportunity to no longer be labeled by our past or our sin, no longer to have to deal with the wage of that sin, which is death. Allow us to never be content with that sin remaining. I pray that you set us free from our complacency. Being just good enough, being better than other people, being better than we were before, Lord, I pray that we would never be content with just being good enough. Set us free today to live a life that is full and pure. Father, I pray today that you would help us to be transformed. We began this morning by talking about those who were lost causes not only those who are on the outside, but even those who are in the body of Christ, those who it seemed as if there was no way for them to be redeemed. And maybe at some point or another, we have been forgiven of our sins, but we have not been fully transformed as you desire us to be. And I pray right now that these lost causes would be transformed into your likeness. We no longer think the way we thought before, act the way we've thought before. I pray that you would transform everything about us and that we would find true freedom in you. 
Father, I pray that as a church, we would be bound closer to each other than ever before. But I pray that each one would take on the responsibility of being family in a serious way. As a part of the body of Christ, allow us to be there for one another, to encourage, to build up, to weep, to laugh with one another. Father, I pray today that we would be the people that you created us to be and the family that you created us to be. Change our perspective. Help us not to look at each other, but to look at you. And as we look at you, I pray that we would truly be a blessing to one another. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your gifts. We thank you for your forgiveness and freedom. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I do want to share with you, uh, I mentioned earlier some celebration stuff. We actually have two other celebrations. Richard mentioned during our prayer time that we have people who are having babies. Uh, we've already had two of them this week. Uh, and uh, Jessica Baker gave birth to a beautiful, beautiful, very long-haired little girl. Um, Holly Williams also gave birth to a beautiful long-haired little boy. Uh, so uh, my understanding is that Lauren could go any day now. So we're excited about all of those. Um, know that the body of Christ is growing. Um, there are different ways that the body of Christ grows. One is obviously if you keep having babies, we're going to have a big church. Uh, that being said, the bigger need is we really need to reach a world that desperately needs to know Christ. Tomorrow night, there will be incredible excitement. People will gather. People will go crazy uh, to be able to watch a football game. It's a football game that at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. I know we all have our opinion. We all want a specific team to win. But that being said, Tuesday morning, the sun will come up and it is completely irrelevant who wins the game on Monday night. What we have to celebrate and to present to the world is not irrelevant. You see, whether the sun comes up on Tuesday morning or not, Jesus Christ is still Lord. We live in a world that is, in many ways, seems to be falling apart. There's the threat of war with Iran. There is unrest politically here in the United States. There are earthquakes that are taking place. There are tornadoes that are ripping houses and even churches apart. But Jesus Christ is still on the throne. All of those things are secondary to the one thing that matters, which is Jesus Christ. As the body of Christ, the greatest way for you to lead is to point people to him. Again, my challenge last week was that each of us would reach one person over the next 12 months. Start today. The world needs Jesus now more than it ever has before. Will you be a part of bringing Jesus to the world around us? I hope so. Thank you for being with us. Go in peace this morning.